Living Islam Narcissism the psychological catchword of the 21st century but what is narcissism how does it corrupt the soul and can it be treated and cured Join Maulana Zaheer Ahmed Ragi every Wednesday morning as he unpacks the topic of narcissism and enlightens us on the Islamic perspective of tackling this spiritual sickness. Radio Islam International, bringing you contemporary and pertinent psychological discussions. Welcome to Really Stab International. We are doing the topic you are loved, and uh, we are tackling the topic narcissism as was heard. And in our last discussion, we discussed quite a few topics, uh, quite a few traits that uh, will be fi- found in uh, codependence. Uh, let me welcome our host, our guest, uh, Mazir Ahmed Raghi. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We take this opportunity of greeting our listeners on Radio Islam. Radio Al-Ansar and also the Ummahad platform. Well, before we continue with our topic, we did have a question that we needed to uh, ask the, the, those professionals about uh, last week. But, uh, I think we can go ahead with that. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah to our sister, Sister Naira. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Uh, Jazakumullah once again for joining us Just as an introduction for those who might have missed it uh, Sister Naira is uh, an integrative health and wellness coach Uh, For those that want to know what does it mean to be a health and wellness coach A health and wellness coach is someone who provides you help and support to live well by building within you the capacity to be independent, to be resilient, and also to just to maintain good, positive well-being for yourself and those around you. Uh, so, Jazakumullah, sister, uh, for giving us some of your time. Um, the question that we have for you today is, which one of our listeners presented to us last week, is that how does one handle anxiety? So if you can just give us some assistance, it will be much appreciated in guiding and coaching someone who is uh, having these anxiety attacks and how should they manage that? Okay, Jazakallah for the introduction, Mulana. Once again, it's honestly an honor to be here. And assalamu alaikum to all listeners. Assalam. So the question on anxiety, right? In order to answer this question, I think let's try to understand anxiety and ways actually coming from, right? So first things first, what is happening physiologically in your brain and body when you talk about anxiety? So here we're referring to that fight flight mechanism or the activation of the sympathetic nervous system, right? So to understand it better, it's the brain's alarm system and it adapts to any kind of dangerous situation or threat, right? Mm-hmm. And the stress response actually helps prepare the body to fight back if necessary or to flee from a situation if it comes down to that, right? And it's designed to help you actually defend yourself. And when this system kicks into action, then many physical symptoms can occur in the body. And anxiety 
um, I would think is one of the most common ones, right? And I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with that feeling of anxiety, the headache, the nausea, shortness of breath, um, stomach pain, and just literally that uneasy feeling in your tummy. Mm-hmm. And keeping in mind now that the fight-flight mechanism is continuously activated whenever there's an actual trigger. And the trigger is the cause of anxiety or the cause of the perceived danger that's setting off the alarm system in the first place. Just just one second, uh, uh, sister. I see there's people that are saying there that they cannot hear. Sorry for that. Sorry for that. We'll just see we, if we can get it sorted out. No problem. Okay, Bismillah, let's see if we can get it better now. Okay. All right, so let's look at an iceberg then. So above the surface of the water, you can see the anxiety and everything you're currently feeling as symptoms of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And you could be feeling those symptoms on a normal day while trying to do pretty normal things. And below that waterline, that's where the triggers or the perceived threat is. And until you dig below that surface, it becomes very difficult to understand the pattern of behavior or the symptoms that lay above that waterline. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about triggers, keep in mind those specific people that are living currently in those stressful situations. So Molana, when you talk about abusive partners or abusive relationships or narcissistic behavior, mm-hmm. in those cases, the brain becomes stuck in a feedback loop. I mean, if you're waking up every day and that threat is not gone, the alarm system is permanently switched on. Yes, Because yes. obviously there's no safety. And the brain knows that. Knowing that ultimately, even when you reach home or that partner walks in through the door or the phone rings, that perceived threat is constantly there because you don't know how it's going to play out for the day. It's that very, um, that behavior that you don't actually know. And that's kind of understanding why the physiological response is in the body when you're dealing with anxiety. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now let's talk about coping with it. <coughs> Some ways to manage anxiety include firstly learning about anxiety and becoming aware of the triggers. That's step one. You cannot beat an enemy that you don't know. Right? Correct. Secondly and very important is gut health. <coughs> so a troubled gut can send these exact signals of anxiety to the brain. And this can cause symptoms of anxiety or it can also be a trigger that signals that same alarm system constantly. Because if the gut is in that situation, it's obviously the brain is in the same situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And these can cause anxiety constantly. I mean, I'm at a point where in my sessions, I don't treat anxiety without doing gut health treatment or herbal flushing. Because I've noticed that even if the brain can allow safety, the gut puts you back into that situation constantly. Amazing, okay. amazing. So that's yes. an important one. And then obviously things like regular exercise, spending time in nature, anything that secretes the hormones that you need to to get through the anxiety are obviously very helpful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then also importantly, I'd like to share some advice that I got from a friend that helped me calm my anxiety and it helps my clients as well. So that's the recitation of the name of Allah, Ya Salamu. So, yes. Salam actually means peace. And when we read Ya Salamu, we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give our hearts peace. So, we have this 
discomfort that develops within ourselves and our hearts are connected to Allah. And then, last of all, because of every disease that is contributing towards this anxiety. Hmm. And that disease can be anything. I mean, we're living in a world where envy, vanity, ego, those are diseases of the heart and they contribute to anxiety. Correct. So when we read this, we're literally asking Allah to give us that peace within ourselves. And that's Ya Salam. Well, I hope this was beneficial and answers the question for the listener. No, So basically we're saying we need to have every form of remedy and we should use every form of remedy. The spiritual one, the health one and the psychological one. So it's a combination of all of that that eventually will help us to deal with the anxiety. Jazakumullah, much appreciated and hope to see you maybe next week if there are certain questions that we may want to present to you, inshallah. Jazakallah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So, uh, Jazakallah for that. And as we had regularly mentioned, Morana, from the beginning of our discussions, that uh, it's a combination of everything. So, in all, in the remedies of all these uh, disorders, we should never forget the aspect of dua. We should never forget the aspect of connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together with the other forms of uh, remedies that are provided. Inshallah. So Jazakumullah for that. I hope that answered the question of our listener. Uh, how do you deal with anxiety? And uh, so it's a whole process. Your mind and more, very important what they've mentioned is the health of your gut and your stomach. And together with that, most importantly, is your spiritual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tomorrow we were discussing also that, uh, you know, uh, these questions that do come up. And uh, alhamdulillah, we, do, we are getting some help that is coming from professional help also. Uh, so the questions, if anyone has any questions, uh, please send it through to 0727861548. That's 0727861548. Well, yeah, last week we were discussing about the traits uh, that uh, codependents show. And uh, we d- identified uh, two major, very important traits. The one is they feel shy socially. And we should remember that no child should actually carry the marital problem of their parents because codependents usually grow up feeling inadequate and uncomfortable in social events. You'll either find them, you know, sitting alone somewhere, trying to hide away. They don't even want to go to many, uh, you know, gatherings. Uh, and the second one that we did last week was they struggle with boundaries. Uh, we say that these children weren't taught how to have healthy boundaries. So either the boundaries are non-existent, uh, which makes people take advantage of them, or the total opposite, they form such big boundaries that you can't get through to them, and they often fear being hurt. Uh, Those were the two that we discussed. Today we're discussing the third problem, and that is they struggle with hardships and problems. Remember that they struggle with hardships and problems. Yes, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And uh, we are again discussing the aspect of codependency and... uh, what is what's important, Moana, is that many a children that grow up to become codependents is in the way that they had been parented, and nobody taught these children how to, for example, even pray properly and nurture their spiritual side by establishing a loving connection with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, the concept of Iman, the concept of faith, the concept of tawakkul, complete reliance on Allah Ta'ala in everything, is many a times alien to them 
because they cannot understand how Allah Ta'ala can help them with their problems and how they can find peace in prayer as they did not see or experience uh, their own parents having that strong faith. And these children either see their parents treat their prayers like a job, a task, a chore, or they don't see their parents pray at all, or rarely or they associate prayers with negative experiences that is being disciplined by their parents if they don't pray. And these are concepts that as parents we need to keep in mind that we need to encourage our children to pray. We also need to make them understand the reality of the prayer, the meanings of the prayer, and it should be ingrained in them that prayer is not just a task that you do just to get it done with. So co-dependents who grow up to find iman, faith, and become religious later out of their own free will do so after they learn more about Islam. This could be from places like when they go to madrasas, sometimes even colleges, universities, and many a times from lectures that they hear or from even friends. So they then come to understand the benefit of prayer. Uh, and Jazakumullah to our sister, that's how she introduces these prayers mm. to people that are going through these difficulties. For example, the 99 names of Allah, each name of Allah Ta'ala is an attribute through which he can assist. And Allah Ta'ala tells us himself that ask Allah through his names. Now the name As-Salam, which is something that brings about peace, Alhamdulillah, so beautifully mentioned. Uh, another aspect of codependent children is that they become caretakers due to having weak or no boundaries at all. Codependents find themselves helping people to the point where they give up their own comfort. And this is very important because many a time when you give off yourself to such an extent at the expense of your own comfort, expense of your own peace, it in itself can cause many uh, social disorders and problems within you. So due to having no boundaries in how you deal with people or weak boundaries, you may find yourself helping people to the point where you give up your own comfort, you give up your own time, and you do only that what's best for others. Now, it is great to feel empathy and compassion for people, and Islam encourages that, but not when you are constantly neglecting your own needs, not when you are constantly neglecting your own needs in order to serve others. The boundaries have to be set. Many codependents feel rejected if people don't want their help and will even keep trying to help and fix their problems even when those people clearly do not want your help. Therefore, you find many a codependents often come across as being very clingy mm. uh, because they really want to help. The people don't want their help and sometimes they do it at their own at their own uh, expense, at their own comfort, their own time. 
And this is all because of the, it, it is a disorder when you do these things in the way that you do not really care for yourself and you give care to others. Yes, it's a good thing, but there has to be proper boundaries. Another trait that you can find to identify someone who is a codependent is that these people are people pleasers. Hmm. Keeping others happy is the way codependents earn people's love. Keeping others happy is the way that they earn people's admiration. Keeping others happy is the way they earn their praise. And many are codependents. They don't speak their minds, even if it is the truth. So their opinions don't conflict with others. So they will rather reserve their opinions. They will not express their opinions in order for the, their opinions not to con become into a conflict with others. And they also like to avoid confrontations. They also like avoiding arguments so that they don't lose friends. These are some traits of codependence. And they many a times go out of their way to give as it feeds their own self-worth. So they will go out of their way to give things to people, to give themselves to people, to give their respect to people, to give their love to people again without setting boundaries because this feeds their own self-worth. It gives them some form of emotional fulfillment and it also makes them believe that they are good and they are lovable people. These are some of the traits that we are identifying in order for you to, uh, to, to, to understand and identify that are you a person that have the trait of being a codependent. Codependents have an extremely hard time saying no. And many a times... They sacrifice their own needs that they feel are unimportant to accommodate others. They grow up feeling they have no worth and that there's something wrong with them because they never experienced, unfortunately, they never experienced unconditional love, unconditional validation, unconditional affection. And this is important that we as parents, the way we parent our children, there is a need for us to give our children love. And many a times the love has to be unconditional, not if you do this, then I will give this to you. So there has to be this unconditional love. We need to appreciate and validate some of the good things that our children do. And we need to provide them the affection that is required when they grow up. If they are provided these things, inshallah, it will assist in our children not growing up with the codependent trait. As children, children feel obliged to serve their parents, no matter what, because they were taught that it is their sole duty in life. Alhamdulillah. And they eventually become conditioned to believe that they need to be the servant in all their relationships to increase their self-value. And this distinction that is required is very important that we set the correct boundaries. So 
children, many a times as they grow up, due to the environment, due to the training, and due to the environment of the home, they feel obliged to serve their parents, no matter what, because they are taught that it is their sole duty in life. But many a times they eventually become conditioned to believe that they need to be the servant in all their relationships to increase their own self-value. And this distinction that is to be drawn is very, very, very important. Many emotionally abusive parents many emotionally abusive parents. The emotional abuse to parents could be by the spouses, by their partners, or as they grew up. So many emotionally abusive parents use guilt rather than love to get their children to pray. They use guilt rather than love to make their children observe their fasts to recite the Qur'an, to go to the masjid, to perform the salah, which is why many co-dependents grow up perceiving Islamic acts and rituals as chores and resenting their parents because when they complied, they were disappointed to only receive crumbs of love in return. Now, these are very important points that we as parents need to be observant of and we need to always keep in mind. <clears throat> in Islam, or just general, parenting is an active responsibility. It's not a passive responsibility. So, children's hunger for more love pushes them to search for it in other people and in other things when parents don't provide that, which is why they can be easily deceived when people pretend to love them. You know, there's a famous saying that goes, don't shop for food when you are starving because you'll end up buying a lot of junk food that is not really good for you and collecting items you don't need. So when you don't get the right love at home, then your child will want to search for that love outside and from wherever it can. So when they are starving of love, starving of affection, starving of validation, they will go and get it from wherever they want to. It is similar to the, sign, the saying that don't shop for food when you are starving because you'll end up buying a lot of junk food and a lot of things you do not need. And here again, the importance of us as parents to ensure that we learn how to parent. We don't use our own experiences, but we do it actively, correctly, setting the right boundaries. And even in our responsibilities of encouraging, yes, encouraging, and I'm emphasizing on that, encouraging our children to pray, to perform the salah. Let's not just do it as an instruction, go and make your salah but rather let our children understand the benefit of it. What are the, what are the benefits of praying? Why should we pray? And why are we praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Establish the love, the respect of Allah ta'ala in the hearts of children so that they understand the reasons for praying and they do it with love instead of just as a job and a task. Shema, we come to the next uh 
point, which uh, this is on the one side where you say that uh, we say that, you know, they're always people pleasers and uh, they do things so that other people can always, um, you know, uh, we say... Uh, Praise them, and sometimes this praise is not even genuine. So, coming to the next part, we feel that we see that another trait is they feel alone and are fearful. Yes, so many are codependents, and this is another trait that we need to be aware of. Is many feel alone, they are fearful. Codependents are afraid to be left alone with no support and family when they are older as they did not experience stability in their childhood. When children don't experience stability in childhood, they become afraid to be left alone with no support and family when they are older. So they spend, children, and when they grew up, so as children they spent many years believing that they were the only ones who had a dysfunctional family, and felt ashamed by the secrets and abuse they had to hold inside. Again, codependency is developed in a home in the way the parents live with each other, how they interact with each other, and how they develop traits and characteristics within their children. So when they grow up in an abusive home, they spend many years believing that they were the only ones who had a dysfunctional family. And many of them feel ashamed by the secrets and abuse they had to hold within themselves. As a result, codependents prefer to stay in unhealthy and toxic relationships than be alone, because being alone reinforces their belief that they are flawed themselves that they are unworthy, they are unwanted. Now, these are very important points for us to keep in mind that in the way that we develop the environment and establish an environment in our home, it has a direct impact on our children as they grow up. So, what will then happen is such children would prefer to stay in an unhealthy, abusive, toxic relationship when they are married because of being alone, being alone reinforces their belief that they are flawed, they are unworthy, they are unwanted. And it is better that rather we stay in this unnatural toxic relationship than being separated and living a life that is all alone. And they are unable to handle being rejected. They are unable to handle things when they are abandoned. As the experience makes them depressed, it makes them lose any self-worth they believe they had. And this characteristic of being a codependent, especially as a result of coming up from an abusive home and the fear of loneliness and rather remain in the toxic relationship is something that narcissists are usually very confident that codependence will stay with them despite putting them through an endless cycle of love bombing, manipulation, trauma, discard, because they are able to tolerate it out of hope that their 
patience will earn them love and loyalty. Now, what happens is they don't let people help them. So one is that they become fearful. They, they see that they are living in this toxic relationship. They prefer the toxic relationship because they fear being abandoned and living in, uh, uh, a lonely life. So what happens also, they create boundaries so that nobody is able to have them. Such people, a codependent who is in a relationship with a narcissistic abuser, will not want help from people generally. They don't let people have them. Codependents aren't used to having their needs met or being pampered and taken care of. If someone does this for them, they immediately feel that they owe them or have to give something back to feel better. They are more comfortable giving help. They are more comfortable giving love than receiving it and would rather do everything themselves then ask for help or favors and feel indebted. However, secretly, they get upset when people aren't there for them, the same way they are when they need help. So they need help. They don't want to take that help. And this is a psychological disorder. So they become upset when people don't appreciate them. They become upset within themselves when they see that people that know that they are in difficulty don't want to come and help them. But they are also in that confusion, confusion state that they don't take the help. So they get upset when people aren't there for them the same way they are when they need help. And this reinforces their belief that they are not worthy of being acknowledged, not worthy of being loved, not worthy of being noticed, not worthy of being cared for. And this, unfortunately, causes a buildup of anger within a codependent. It causes a buildup of bitterness. It causes a buildup of hurt, resentment, and is often, unfortunately, taken out on people who cannot figure out what's wrong with them. So, codependents want people to strongly insist on helping them and not take no thanks for an answer in order to feel more comfortable with accepting what they need. So, many at times, although they don't want the help, and inside they desire the help. So when we are faced with such situations, we should ensure that we provide the help to people whom we observe as people who need the help. And this is important because many a codependents would rather live in that abusive relationship instead of seeking help. And this is where all the professional help comes in and you know where you coach people in the way that they should be able to handle these difficulties. Gee, well, then uh, we come to the next point is that uh, they have poor communication skills. They yes, now these are all traits of codependence. So they don't want the help. Uh, another aspect is that they are unable to communicate to people their real feelings. So they have very poor communication skills. 
Cove dependents have trouble communicating their thoughts, communicating what is their want, their needs, especially when they are not aware of their own needs. And this is highly convenient for a narcissist. Mm. So if a codependent is in a relationship with a narcissist and this codependent is unable to communicate their needs, either because they don't want to show it or they feel they don't need it, or for example, they feel that if they present their needs, it's going to create more drama, more chaos. They are not confident of themselves. And all these things are highly convenient for a narcissist who has no interest, absolutely no interest in anyone's needs, but their own needs. And they are usually afraid to speak up about what they really need, that is the codependent. They are afraid to speak out about what they really need out of fear of having it rejected as they are used to experienced in childhood with their parents. They also fear being truthful because they don't want to feel ashamed. They don't want to feel upset or offend other people. So instead of saying, I like that or I need that, they may pretend that they don't. Now, they also have obsessive behavior. Codependents have obsessive behavior. They overthink, yes, they overthink the words and actions of everyone due to their own anxiety and fears. Because they have this whole internal anxiety within themselves, they have this fear within themselves, they over-process, overthink the words that people talk to them, they overthink the actions of people, and sometimes they can spend hours dissecting text messages to extract various meanings from them. They are also known, unfortunately, to fantasize about a different life inside their heads. So if they believe that they can't have what they want in real life, they can spend hours imagining it. They become obsessed when they think they've made a mistake. And many a times they punish themselves emotionally for it by not being productive all day. And sometimes they just cry or sulk in their bedrooms, in their homes. They also tend to obsess about their work. They tend to obsess about their work. They tend to be obsessive about their hobbies as a way of distracting themselves from the reality of life. And you find that when you speak to a codependent, very often they will be extremely obsessive about their hobbies and all their works in order to divert the attention of the abuse that they are going to. And this is also a lack of self-love. The lack of self-love essentially stems from their childhood where they weren't taught to value themselves. They did not receive the needed validation, the emotional support from their parents who should have told them regularly that they are good, they are beautiful, they are loved, they are special, they are kind. These are things that we as parents should be extremely observant that if we do it correctly, later 
it will be of great benefit to our children when they grow up to be matured, responsible individuals. Therefore, codependents are convinced that if their own parents didn't believe it, then no one else will believe in them because it's simply not true. They often put themselves down regardless of their very good high achievements of beauty, have very low self-esteem. The feeling that you are a failure is not good enough, you're not attractive enough, or you are constantly comparing yourself to others are all signs of low and non-self-love or non-existent of self-love. So to identify what is it that we talk about self-love is you often put yourself down regardless of your own achievements, regardless of your own personality, your own beauty. Uh, There's always this feeling of failure, the feeling of not good enough, the feeling of not attractive enough, constantly comparing yourself to others. These are all signs of a low, non-existent self-love. And if you have these feelings, there is a need for you to identify this and also deal with this in the right way. Most people who hate themselves don't understand why they feel that people around them dislike or hate them too. We will often attract in others what we see and feel within ourselves. This is important. We will often attract in others what we see and feel within ourselves. Yes, Mama. If there are any questions or comments, <laughs> uh, we have one uh, question that has come about. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you are married to a narcissist for many years and cannot leave, if Barana can discuss a topic on how to love and deal with them. Yes, we are going to, inshallah. It's a very important question because the purpose of our discussion is not that just break up relationships. Mm. We need to do the right things within ourselves. And inshallah, as we go along, uh, we are going to address this. Because keep in mind that our discussions are just in the beginning stages of these topics. Mm. So we are now just identifying different traits. So Mm. we went at length in identifying a narcissist. We are also going, we are currently now, we we defined a codependent. We are now mentioning some of the signs and traits of knowing whether you have the codependent traits. Mm. And once we go over all of this, inshallah, Mm. uh, we will address it. But for the sister at the moment, uh, I think uh, do whatever is best. Make dua to Allah Ta'ala. And inshallah, we will address this. You've lived all this time. Inshallah, Allah will give you the patience and the ability to manage your situations. Well, coming to the last part, uh, we say that, uh, you know, they have poor communication skills. So uh, right in the end, they are in denial of them them having this disorder. Yes. So it's very difficult for someone who is a codependent to acknowledge that they have this disorder. Like how we said about a narcissist. Narcissists generally don't acknowledge. And a codependent generally, if you went, if you observed, 
the various signs and traits that we spoke of, not wanting the help, not having the communication skills, having the self-esteem. These are all things that eventually lead a person to deny that I have a disorder. Codependence, denial of the disorder is not because of uh, arrogance. It's not because of stubbornness, unlike a narcissist, but rather they don't realize they have a disorder. They don't realize they have a problematic trait until much later in life. And therefore, their constant need to fix people and be in the relationship is never acknowledged as a psychological problem because it's in line with human needs. Codependents are in denial of their vulnerability and denial of their need for love, denial of their need for intimacy due to their own weak boundaries. We spoke about not being able to establish boundaries. So due to their own weak boundaries and feelings of shame, Many fear being judged, rejected, left alone because they or they come from very uh, dysfunctional family, either because they were, <coughs> excuse me, alhamdulillah, because they were abandoned by a parent, they were divorced or were adopted, or they are in a single parent, were sexually or physically abused, and so on. As a result. Many codependents will find excuses to avoid relationships with good and healthy people and instead, unfortunately, seek narcissists who will give them the attention and validation they need. And in the process, what they also do is they make excuses for the abuse and the disrespect. If a codependent is in a relationship, either as a man or the wife, they make excuses for abuse and disrespect. Codependent children often turn a blind eye to those who make fun of them at school and pretend that they did not hear or see anything to avoid confrontation. They will believe that the reason bullies give them at school for abusing them, such as being weird, Many codependents even get upset and annoyed when people who care about them make them aware of the abuse, make them aware of the manipulation they are going through with others because they work very, very hard. Codependents try their utmost and work very hard mentally to block out the abuse. In most cases, they don't want to believe that the fantasy they are living in isn't real, as they don't want to make difficult decisions of leaving, of being alone. So it makes it easier that they'll give excuses for people's abuse. As adults, these excuses sometimes for domestic violence as well can sound like, you know, he had a bad day at work. The kids really annoyed him today. He cheated on me because I was not giving him enough attention. These are some of the types of excuses that codependents give. Many codependents will leave a narcissist who has betrayed them 
but take them back again and again after they have been successfully hovered. Narcissists always test the strength of people's boundaries and will beg and cry to appeal to the empathetic side of codependence. However, they greatly disrespect them when they fall for it as they are perceived by the narcissist as desperate, as weak people who will tolerate anything to keep them in their lives. It is for this reason that they get worse in their behavior and the more people give them chances, the more does the narcissist become bad in their relationship. There's so much more that I want to talk on this, but time has come up. Inshallah, we'll come back to this aspect of uh, giving excuses for the mm. abuse. If there are any questions, any suggestions, any... Jamal, we've got another comment that's coming up here. Assalamu alaikum. I'm listening to the program and seeing my life. I can relate to many points that has been pointed out. How does one go about seeking help? Or who can one talk about it to? How can one change? Yes, there are many uh, professional people you can speak to. And inshallah, to the best of our ability, we will be discussing some of them uh, in our future discussions. Uh, uh, on radio, I would not like really to advise or suggest who they can go to. I think in your own circles, wherever you are, you can contact people where you can go and seek the help. And the seeking of help is important. It is uh, the ability for you to uh, be coached how to manage with a problem uh, with your, within yourself and those around you. And also important is our connection and reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last message we got for today, I need to find out where to get proper help when it comes to narcissism. We've been through a lot of different counselors and psychologists, but we are just getting nowhere. Please help in guiding us to the right people in diagnosing this problem we're having. Jazakallah. I think the response that I just gave, mm. it's very difficult to identify the right people. Uh, and we would rather refer, ask you to do your own research and go to people who you feel confident in. Inshallah. for that. Inshallah, we'll speak again next week, uh, Wednesday. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.